Hey guys, it's your host Julian. This week I sit down with Isaiah Fillmore. Isaiah runs my favorite retrospective on animation, 47 Cartoon Guy. We chat the early days of his content creation, his love of animation and Cartoon Network, and just why and how Scooby-Doo is so influential to him. This one was a lot of fun to just geek out about the shows we grew up with and just why Cartoon Network sticks out the most to us. Make sure you show Isaiah some love and check out his YouTube channel. Those links are in the description below. I promise you this, if you like this show even a teensy tiny bit, you're going to love Isaiah's channel. And that's 47 Cartoon Guy. Also, we just launched our latest retrospective over on YouTube. It's all about Space Ghost Coast to Coast and its importance for Cartoon Network's longevity. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Most of My Head Podcast. I'm your host, Julian, and today I'm joined by Isaiah, Mr. 47 Cartoon Guy. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, man. Love the shirt. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was, my, uh, it was one of my Christmas presents from my kid. He saw it uh, either Walmart or maybe Coles. I think it was Walmart. It got me this got me this really cool shirt. And the only one you can kind of see is old chicken hanging out. But it's got the uh, the original, you know, group. Well, Ed, Ed and Eddie's in there, so it's not the original. Uh, what a cartoon days, but uh, most of them are on there. Um, but ladies and gentlemen, man, cartoon guy here, 47 cartoon guy, excuse me, Isaiah. Um, he's got my favorite retrospective YouTube channel ever. I love it. I want to know, man. Take us back. If we can get in that metaphorical DeLorean and we can go back in time, how does Isaiah come up with the 47 Cartoon Guy moniker? Actually, it just, uh, just came to me. I guess we're coming up names because I was like in high school when I first made this channel. And mm-hmm. I guess it just kind of came up in my head. I was, mm-hmm. It's funny because everyone always asks me that, where a 47 Cartoon Guy, cartoon guy came from. And me. Oh, and I, I feel bad because and I don't have an interesting story about it. It's like, it just came to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's still pretty cool, man. You started this in high school. That's got some really force. If you don't mind me asking, how much, how, how old are you? I am 29. I'll be 30 in May. 30 in May, man. Uh, what day? Uh, 27. Oh man, I was gonna say if you uh, if you had it on the twenty third, you you would share my wife and I's anniversary with your birthday, um, but we can we can bring you in for a inaugurational birthday too. Um, but uh, so early happy birthday because I'm pretty sure I'll still hit you up with a happy birthday when it comes on May twenty seventh. Uh, but what I like about this is that you had the foresight in high school to say, hey, I like this stuff, I love this animation, I want to start a channel. Like when I was coming up, and I, I'm thirty. Am I 34? Yeah, I'll be 34 this year. So I'm not too much older than you. But four years, especially uh, when it comes to technology, is a long time. I mean, I don't even know when the first YouTube video kind of popped up. I knew it was all cat videos when it first started. Uh, But to sit there and have, like I said, the foresight to think, hey, man, I want to talk about the stuff that I'm consuming. I want to talk about the stuff that kind of helped mold me and kind of helped grow me to the individual that I am. Uh, that, like I said, that's got some serious foresight. Um, so, what was it about animation and cartoons that, man, you really just want to start a channel and start talking about? I actually, I, I actually uh, made the channel in um, 2012 when I was still in high school, and I would have graduated a little after, or a little while after. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I didn't really uh, actually get started until after I flunked college and moved back with my parents. And it was actually a hobby I could do when I was looking for like a job or something. Mm-hmm. To quote uh, Danny and Tanusi, uh, I was living with my parents. I was moved back with my parents, and I was total bum. Get a fucking job. 
<laughs> and, um, yeah, I just started like uh, something easy, like doing dishwashing, and then I could just uh, start doing videos. And my earliest, my earliest stuff I'm not proud of is really, really bad. Uh, just poor audio. Uh, Windows Movie Maker editing and AVS video editor with the mark watermark and stuff. Like I cringe every time I think about it, but I keep it up for like nostalgia and just how far I came as a creator. Mm -hmm. Well, that's really cool, man, because that's something social media and things like YouTube have a huge effect on how we not so much interact with people, but how we interact with ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis. Like I can see so many great comments about something I put up and it's that one bad comment. I'm better at it now because I just don't look at them very often. Um, I'm just too goddamn busy at the end of the day to, to, to interact with too many people. I enjoy everybody that watches and everybody that listens. Uh, so don't think that I'm just ignoring people to ignore people uh, because I really appreciate everybody that has spent a little bit of time on my channel. Because uh, you guys could literally be doing anything else in the world um, other than watching my videos or other than listening to me talk and wax poetically about cartoons or comic books or whatever it is that's interesting me that week. Um, but uh, like I said, man, it, it's it's something special when you can look back and say, oh, man, I sucked for like ever. And then you can pinpoint kind of where you started to get normal and, you know, start to feel normal, excuse me, you start to feel normal and you start to feel comfortable inside your own skin with whatever you choose to do, whether you're talking to folks like I do, or you're doing retrospective videos like you do. Uh, do you remember when you started to feel like, oh shit, I'm starting to get better at this and I'm starting to feel really comfortable at doing what I do? I would say a little around 2019. Mm -hmm. uh, prior to that, uh, I was pretty much doing anything that would give me any video that would give me views. But actually, around, around like 29, early 2019, my channel got demonetized for reused content. Mm -hmm. And actually, that was it. That was a blessing. That was a blessing in the disguise because it actually made me want to like overhaul my channel. Actually, made a. Uh, my my friend and I, uh, Jenny Liano, she helped me make a logo and stuff for my channel. And I actually, that's when I first started doing the retrospectives. Uh, the one I remember being most proud of that came out that year was my history of Cartoon Cartoon Fridays. Mm -hmm. uh, looking back, uh, there's some things I could have done better, but I, for the most part, it's I think it's still pretty good. Yeah, I've I've recently and, and I think we've had this talk. We haven't had this talk in quite some time. I think it was probably maybe six, eight months ago, because I remember us um, maybe how many parts was it for uh, the Fantastic Legacy of Hanna-Barbera? Was it five? five yeah, five. So I think it was probably around uh, part three, maybe. Is that when you got the Liquid IV sponsorship? Uh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, I can't. Uh... The, my Witches Ghost video, my Scooby Doo and Witches Ghost video, that was the first one I had to live with IV sponsor thing. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Then it was that one because it was right around the release of that one because I, I remember hitting you up saying, Hey, man, I'm super proud that you know you, you got a sponsor. And then we, I don't know how it kind of uh, devolved into us talking about like, Hey, it's cool to see where you come from. And then you, I think you gave me one or two of your videos that you're like, Man, those are tough to watch, and I go back and watch them. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I thought these were pretty cool, man. I, I like it, and especially, you know, we've only done two of them. And like I said, your your channel in 
in specific or in particular, uh, whatever the right terminology is for that one, um, has inspired me to do more retrospective videos. And and to be fair, like Larry does all the video editing. So I, I sit on here, I write a script out, um, you know, I'll go and then I record the audio. So I'm doing, I'm just doing weeks of research to make sure that I do justice and honor to everybody that, that is, that I'm going to bring up in a video. Um, and I love your, I love your witty sarcasm on, on some topics. I love your humor. Um, the fact that I can feel how, how joyous you are on the topics you're covering. Uh, like I said, you don't see that with too many content creators, at least the ones that I follow. It's, it seems like it's starting to become a job with a lot of folks. And then once I, like, once you hit a certain level where you're doing millions of views, I guess it kind of is a job because um, that's your cash flow, that's your income. But like I said, I love listening to you break down something because you have such an interesting way of looking at the stuff you're consuming and everything that you're talking about. You're super passionate about whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. And I absolutely love it. And thank you for the inspiration to, uh, like I said, step into your lane for just a little bit and try some retrospectives out. Well, if I've done anything to inspire you, I take that as a badge of honor. Thank you so much. And, um, Absolutely. Actually, uh, it's funny, too, because um, you said about you said this about uh, sometimes it feels like a job. Uh, mm -hmm. To me, it is. I do this on a side. From now, I'm doing this part-time in addition to my dishwashing gig. Mm -hmm. And actually, um, now that I reach five thousand subscribers and I just got hit up um this morning I just got hit hit up with, with email from uh Express VPN sponsor. And oh right I, on uh, man I'm definitely gonna take it but yeah I really need to be it it sorry. I like it it occurs to me that I really need to take this more seriously. I mean mm -hmm. I already do but I really need to like make sure this i get put out the best products ever yeah absolutely man um like i said it, it's <clears throat> excuse me ladies and gentlemen i got a little bit of cold i'm working through here um but uh i really like i said i damn hold on <clears throat> excuse me i really enjoy what you do and going back uh, like I said, it's not me that I'm going back and watching when I first started somebody else. So I love seeing, I'm pretty sure you'll feel the same. You'll echo the same sentiment here when I, when I break it down, but going and seeing somebody else when they first start and then kind of seeing where they're at, maybe a year, two years, three years, four years, however long it is. And then you see just the progression in their skill, the progression in their craft, the, the, the progression in the writing, the progression in the video editing. It's it's cool to see it, but it sucks when it's you and you're going back because I'm pretty sure you're a lot like me. You can sit there. Somebody can tell you everything that's great about your video. And you're like, yeah, but there's like 17 things that I see that's wrong that I could have done better oh. that I wish I knew then what I know now type of thing. I don't know if you feel that same way. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Most. Yeah. Absolutely, man. So like I said, I'm, I'm so pumped for you to get your next sponsor. And I hope this is like the last catalyst you need. Cause I want to see you hit 10,000, 20, a hundred, 1 million. Cause like I said, I love the videos you put out, man. Um, Likewise. Thank you. Uh, so we're going to take it a, another step further, another step further in that metaphorical DeLorean, man. Uh, so let's take us back to little Isaiah, man, before 47 cartoon guy was that even thought in your head, man. Uh, how do you come across cartoon network? What was your introduction to this beautiful network for like for you? 
Oh well, my dad was in the army, and we were stationed like we were stationed a lot of places. Where we lived from, we lived in Anchorage, Alaska, from like ninety five to ninety seven, and we lived in this housing in Fort Richardson. And I remember watching two channels. One was PBS, and the other was Cartoon Network. And Cartoon Network, was, that was when I first saw all those classic cartoons. Mm -hmm. uh, and around, I think my earliest memories would have been like 96. So yeah. I remember watching all those, the Hanna-Barbera stuff, the Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry. Uh, and this would have been right around the time uh, World Premiere Tunes came out and Dexter and all that stuff. Uh, it really, Cartoon Network really, uh, inspired my love for the classic animation. And mm -hmm. I remember Toonheads. I remember yeah. the <laughs> show, the Tex Avery show. And it's like I love watching those that um stuff and learn the history behind that. That's kind of something that's missing from Cartoon Network nowadays. I think it's more geared towards kids. It's like I wish there was something for like for kids who are getting into animation right now. I kind of wish they had something like Toonheads, like I had growing up. But yeah, and um, also too, Cartoon Network started my love for Hanna Barbera. I remember mm -hmm. watching. Uh, I first saw Joseph Barbera in his special called uh, "The Top Ten Greatest Cartoons of All Time," I think. And this was, was around like '98 or something, and he they that was the like. The first time I saw him, like he was doing like an interview or something like that, and I, um, of course, Chuck Jones too. I mean, that's when I first saw him, mm -hmm. and also the uh, the beginning of the beginning of the cartoon cartoons, uh, yeah. World Premiere, Dexter, uh, Cowboy Chicken, Johnny Bravo, and all this stuff. The last of the. Uh, I always, I always saw them as, I always called them the last generation Hanna Barbera cartoons. Mm -hmm. uh, they were released during that lifetime before the studio shut down. And um, growing up, growing as I got older, I, Cartoon Network pretty much stayed with me until like I was like in high school. It wasn't because I was too. It's funny. It's funny too, Julian, because I was never that tight to. Uh, to turn my nose at cartoons when I was like a teenager stuff. I still watch cartoons. Um, my only issue is my issue was back then was like I just didn't like what they were like putting out. It was around the time it was late two thousand, so they were just doing like live action stuff and like that. Yeah, uh, the CN Real whatever out of Jimmy's head shit. Absolutely, man. Uh, it was definitely a weird time because. I really felt this this story has come up a couple times uh, on my show, but like if it would have been for a, sh a little show called Regular Show, man, I probably wouldn't be into animation like I am uh, now because that reinvigorated it, re it relit that fire of animation underneath me. I'm like, wow, this is so good because a lot like you, and you know, you're four years younger than me, but I was I was going through that same thing. It's just like, man, like all of all of the creators that I've followed since I was five six years old are all gone now they're they're doing other things gendy was kind of wrapping up and he was over at sony i think at that point um he might have just started doing maybe symbiotic titan and um 
what the first first uh first run of uh what was it star wars clone wars uh whatever it was or first couple episodes whatever he did and then you know craig was still around um i think uh he had probably just started to go wander over yonder over there and uh you know it's just so many of the the folks that that I grew up with just weren't there. And then it really started to feel like, hey, man, this stuff just isn't for me anymore. I need to find something else. Um, you know, so I started watching more live action stuff. You know, basketball was a huge thing for me during that era, um, like especially my my early high school and all the way through to even now. Uh, basketball has been such a huge, huge part of my life. And uh, like I said, just seeing a lot of that live action stuff and nothing, it being on a cartoon network, literally, it said cartoon network and we weren't getting any cartoons. I was just, I was blown away. I was hurt more than anything as a kid. It's just like, man, I really, I really feel like this was my dad. And then he walked out for milk and just never came back. That's what my cartoon network felt like growing up, you know, in those, yeah. those, like those formative teenage years, um, you know, so it, it, it sucked in a sense. And then. It wasn't until I was on shore duty in Virginia of all places, just sitting on the couch and then regular show pops up and I'm like, holy shit, this is funny. This is anime. This is like some stuff that I would have loved as a little kid um, growing up. And then that kind of went into adventure time. I started, I was a little late on adventure time. I was late on Steven universe. Cause like I said, I just took a break from animation. Um, and then I started getting into more of the adult swim stuff too. I don't know if, uh, were you ever a fan of the adult swim stuff? Yeah. It's like, I yeah. didn't really watch it until I was like in middle school and that's when I first started watching uh Family Guy and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. South Park and whatever. But yeah, I I loved um Harvey Birdman, Space Ghost. Yeah. Space Ghost <laughs> Space Ghost Ghost Coast, I remember watching I actually remember watching before it became a before those films ever created. It would come mm-hmm. on late at night, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I I I was a little kid, so I didn't really get most of the humor and stuff. Yeah, but I remember liking it more than um the original sixties, mm-hmm. uh, Space Ghost, which would come around sometime during the day. Yeah, the uh, the Space Ghost Coast to Coast, that intro song and music lives rent free in my head forever. That's that was a a big inspiration, ladies and gentlemen. If you if you you know, don't skip over the intro. The intro is pretty cool that Larry put together. Shout out to Larry, man. He's always doing something phenomenal with uh, with our video editing. Um, but uh, I sent him a clip of, you know, Space Ghost Coast to Coast. And I was like, dude, I would love something like this. I, it's just the music. I wish we could use something like that for music because it's so fun. Uh, it puts you in the mood. It It's a time capsule. You remember when Nickelodeon did that time capsule and they buried it like 30 years ago? like slime magazine the slime shit and all that stuff you remember that i remember hearing about it but that was like a year before i was born yeah Uh, that was i believe Mm -hmm. yeah it was uh they buried like slime magazine maybe it was uh an old phone it was just a whole bunch of nickelodeon stuff yeah home alone vhs i believe yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's that's what space goes coast to coast feels like for me it's like i was in the same boat uh i was a little too young to really understand it um but seeing it throughout the years as i got older and older and older i just remember like holy shit this is funny this is different and then um i'm pretty sure you you get in the same mindset since you do the retrospective videos but like you try to put yourself in a position to be like man what was the climate like not not as much politics or anything like that but like what was the climate like what were people like uh in 94 when when um space goes coast to coast comes out and then you find out like they reused animation 
right? And then they just dubbed over stuff. So, and then they they have some of the greatest writers. That show, Betty Cohen said it herself on my episode, the first president for Cartoon Network. She literally said, you know, without you know Space Ghost Coast to Coast, it'd be kind of hard to figure out what original programming would look like for Cartoon Network because at that time it was just a Hanna Barbera rerun channel. Yeah, you know, Looney Tunes, Popeye, MGM, all this stuff. And um, also that, too, I have a funny story about Space Ghost. Um, oh, man, I'd love I to hear it. I actually got to meet. Uh, I actually had to, um, 2016, I was at a con, uh, MumbleCon, Mumble yeah. Mm-hmm. And I actually got to meet C. Martin Croker, and it was like before really? he died. Yeah, and um, I remember he... he I don't have it anymore because it got stored in the fire, but I actually bought a Cartoon Network hat from them. And I actually told them like, Hey, can you give me some advice about, I want to get an animation. Uh, got any advice? I remember specifically, he told me don't move to Atlanta. Don't, don't move to Atlanta. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> Why, Why I not? Know. Did he ever elaborate? Nah, I, I, he might've been joking, but mm. I imagine it it would be easier to get a job and less expensive than L.A. Yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, guy was definitely gone way too soon. I mean, he did Moltar, you know, he did he did uh, Zorak. There was so many things that that guy did that was so influential, just not just so much on that show either. I mean, you know, that like Betty said, that that show laid the foundation for Cartoon Network to go into original programming. But if you yes. go and you look at all of those credits on that 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 show, Space Coast Coast to Coast, I would be hard pressed, and you would be hard pressed to not see half, three quarters, fucking two thirds, almost the entire roster of Space Coast Coast to Coast popping up on other Adult Swim. So it propped up Cartoon Network, but it laid the foundation for Adult Swim to be built on. Man, so that show is super integral and very, very, very. What's the right word I'm looking for? It's not very few and far between, but it's like. Very rare, can very rarely can you find something that has the that is you could point to and say that is the reason for X, Y, and Z, right? But you can oh, look yeah. at Space Ghost Coast to Coast and you can say, without that show, Cartoon Network doesn't go very long. Without that show, Adult Swim never happens. Without that show, you don't get Harvey Birdman, you don't get Venture Brothers, you don't get Rick and Morty, you don't get inner any show, Family Guy, any show that you grew up with loving from Adult Swim, you do not get. If space goes coast to coast, does not come off as a juggernaut. Oh uh, yes, definitely. So uh, that's our space goes coast to coast love, and I'm uh, I'm glad we got to do a little talking about that because uh, that's actually our next video that'll drop on April seventeenth. Hopefully, probably uh, might drop a little bit after that, um, just in case because like I said, I'm still working on that one. Um, but by the time this video comes out, that one will have already been uh, dropped. So make sure you check that one out. Um, but uh, so we talked a little bit, uh, 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 you know, how you got into Cartoon Network. What were some of those shows for the Cartoon Cartoon Fridays? And what a cartoon that you absolutely could not miss, man. You had to park your ass there and you weren't moving no matter what happened. Cartoon Cartoon Fridays as a whole, that seven o'clock lineup all the way till midnight. Mm-hmm. I that was that was like the perfect lineup. Uh, Dexter, Courage, Top of Girls, Johnny Bravo, Ed and Nettie, uh, Cow and Chicken. Uh, man, that was that was that was my childhood. That whole that lineup was, God was my tier. childhood. Yeah. And uh, even the later shows, 
like Tire Squad. I still love mm-hmm. Tire Squad. Uh, I actually gotten back and watched some old episodes. I was like, wow, this is really funny. Um, yeah. But meaning to go back on watching Sheep of the Big City and mm-hmm. uh, Mike Lewinog. Mike Lewinog. I remember not liking that much when it came on. I remember being a little bored by it. But I could give it. I'm ready to give it another chance. See, the animation style is fun. Yeah, it reminds me of old classy Shupo stuff. Yes. Oh, speaking of which, I'm actually in a brainstorming idea for mm-hmm. a new retrospective, and Ooh. people are loving my the my Hanna Barbera retrospectives. Mm-hmm. I I'm in the process of of developing a retrospective for classic Shupo. That that could be a lot of fun. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we'll talk off air and I might be able to uh, point you in the direction of a couple people that had some uh, firsthand experience with that studio. Oh, thank you. Absolutely, man. Uh, It's the least I could do. Um, So out of that original lineup and what's crazy, right, is you hear that lineup, Dexter's Lab, Cowan Chicken, Powerpuff Girls, Johnny Bravo, Courage the Cowardly Dog, right? That could literally be an entire Mount Rushmore plus an honorable mention just on that initial lineup, right? Those shows literally changed my life, your life, millions Mm -hmm. of kids' lives. I mean, you can't really see it. I mean, you can kind of see stuff on the background that I'm painting, but I'm literally projecting a whole bunch of cartoon characters back there, and I'm starting the process of uh, permanent marker. So you can kind of see Samurai Jack's sword, and then um, right behind that is uh, Mighty Mouse, and then above him is Frankenstein Jr. with his arms um, from the Impossibles. Yeah, so I'm doing from left to right, uh, every character that has ever meant anything to me is going up on that wall, and uh, it's probably it's probably going to take me at least a year to two years uh, to to get everything up, and then because it's going to be colored as well, so I'm going to have to pull all the palettes and get. It's going to be expensive, unfortunately. Um, I've already started looking at the prices just on paint, and fuck, is that shit expensive? Um, but uh, so every every character is going to go up there, man. But uh, talking about some of those characters that you mentioned, I had just mentioned, man. Uh, what were like these shows you could not miss if you had to pick two or three shows out of an entire Cartoon Network for Cartoon Cartoon Fridays from the entire era and generation? What are those three shows that you would not miss no matter what? Um, original Pop of Girls, mm-hmm. Johnny Bravo, and number one would be Ed and Nettie. Yeah, what was it? I see. I love when somebody brings up Ed and Eddie because uh, that's kind of like how I got on the map in a sense. Even though I'm not on the map at all, I'm like a blip. If anything, I'm a blink and you miss me. But uh, you know, getting to deep dive in that entire catalog of voice actors, writers, and animators, it was an absolute blast, and I treasure those moments a lot. Um, but what was it specifically about Ed and Eddie for you? Before I uh, go on that, uh, the uh, the video you made that went viral with, with you uh, interviewing the uh, voice actors for Ed and Nettie, yeah. that was the first video I saw for you, and I yeah. remember loving it so much. Uh, next to the Ro- Robert Alvarez video, that was probably my favorite from you. We got um, a second one coming out with Robert next week, so stay uh, tuned. That's right. I think yeah, I um, a question too. Oh, I think we answered yours one, I believe. It's been a while since we recorded that one. That was like two and a half hours uh, of him just, you know, t- I think it was two and a half hours. It was a, it was a long podcast, um, and I had a blast. I always have a blast talking with him. Okay. Um, 
now what I'm about to get into. Oh yeah, about Ed and Nettie, I always uh, I always consider it as Peanuts's um older rebellious brother. Yes, oh, and, it's such a great analogy. And what's funny about that too is like every character in Ed and Nettie is identifiable and. That's what I like about it. I'm a big character guy. I love characters. Uh, all those, all the kids in Ed and Eddie, you either knew or were growing up. Mm-hmm. And I was in, a, and I was, and growing up, I was, I was a loner. I didn't have much friends. I was a little geek, and I always identified with the losers. I loved the Eds. I, I love Cat Dog. Mm-hmm. I love the Offbeat. I love characters like that, mm-hmm. that were just kind of like off to the side where everybody else do their own thing. Absolutely, man. Uh, and you got a favorite? Uh, you got a favorite character in that Ed, Ed and Eddie series? And then do you have a favorite episode or two that you absolutely love? My favorite Ed would be Eddie, mm-hmm. and my favorite Ed would be Eddie. Ugh, excuse me. My favorite Ed would be Eddie because there's so much layers to him. It's like he's absolutely. a jerk. He's a jackass. He, he like he's like he yells at people. He's got mm-hmm. a Napoleon complex, but like. You do like see like he could be really like he cares, he cares about his friends. Ed and Nettie, I mean Ed and Double B, Double D are like his brothers, mm-hmm. like the brothers like he never really had. Absolutely. Uh, what episodes stick out to you that uh, like whenever you think about that show, you think about these two episodes? God, just so many. Hmm. The season four finale, uh, take this Ed and shove it when they're all when, it, <laughs> when they're all old. It is like yes, I remember about this so much. And another one is probably like, you know what? Another one would probably be the um, if it smells like an Ed. I know a lot of people don't hit, a lot of people hate that episode, but I remember just being like um. I remember it was like kind of like uh like it kind of made me realize wow they don't ever get a break. And it's yeah. like uh even with Jimmy, like uh like even with, with Jimmy setting them up, even though he even though Eddie was the one who did give him a give him a wedgie, all of them had to suffer. And it's like mm-hmm. wow, this show is kind of dark, but it's actually yeah. kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> It truly is, man. It's crazy going back and uh, seeing everything from a different lens, right? So I talked about this with Robert when I had Robert on, and I told him, like, when Cooper, my youngest at this time, uh, was born, I would go back and I'd rewatch Samurai Jack. And it's insane because I hadn't watched that show in so long. And Ooh. to say that I would have appreciated Samurai Jack as a 12, 13-year-old, I would have kicked my own ass if I said that at 12 or 13 years old and I can go back in time because it could not be in further from the truth, man. Watching that show uh, through the eyes that I've watched it now as an adult, it's just like, fuck, dude, I, there's no way I could have appreciated this. Ed and Eddie is in that same vein. Going back and then having like all of these discussions with these people that worked on the show and then pointing out like, hey, man, would you slip in? Because that was like a real big thing in my first year because I'd always heard these stories about people slipping stuff in. And for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the strip club, but you see the strip club pop up on 
a couple different occasions, like you see the name pop up in places. There's like a a poster or a t-shirt or something like that, or there's a note on there um, with the strip club name that everybody would go to uh, on Friday nights on payday. And then everybody was getting lap dances. If it was your birthday, you're especially getting lap dances. People were getting fucked up on alcohol. They were just having a great time. And it was very punk rock because you look at the crowd and it's like a bunch of punk rockers. But one thing I learned from that, what's that? Where was this? One more time. I'm sorry, I cut out just a little bit. I'm sorry. Uh, well, when was this? Where? Where's this? The uh, strip club? Uh, oh, this uh, is when they were in Vancouver. Yeah, they're in Vancouver. Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh no, you're fine. Um, but uh, and I, I, it was something Apple. Uh, the fans will probably correct me, but as soon as I get off this, I'm going to go and Google it and then I'll figure it out. Um, but uh, like every every single one of the guests brought that up, like strip clubs, you know, it was a party. Uh, you know, everybody was super tight. It was family. It was the hardest place they'd ever worked. But Danny brought the best out in everybody. And it's just like, I don't think you get a show like that. I don't think you get a fan base like that if you don't go through the shit that they went through together, right? That that very hard uh um time of just hey this isn't is this isn't good. This sucks. Fucking fix it, man. Um so it really pressure does two things is what I'm getting at Isaiah. It either busts pipes or it creates diamonds. And every single person on that animation team, that voice acting team from cast and crew from A to Z, man, uh they were all diamonds in my eyes. I absolutely adore that show. I admire Danny. Danny is an artist artist. It, like oh, yeah. he doesn't like uh, he's like uh, like he hates CGI. He loves mm-hmm. hair drawing. A big advocate for hair drawing animation. And like I see him like I see him like similar. I don't even know. I don't know if they met or anything, but I see him similar to like Jendi. Like mm-hmm. uh, not to like uh, put down any other cartoon creators, but. They definitely are very passionate about about the medium they're in, and also, um, like uh, I heard stories about like uh, how hard Danny like uh, like works to make uh, any detail in the show just right. Mm-hmm. Uh, not unlike, not not comparing him uh, to him or anything, but kind of similar to John K. Fuck that guy, but. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Yeah, that was a show I could never get into. Brandon Stimpy. Yeah, I I've tried. Maybe I don't know, man. Maybe if you're a fan of it, you might be able to convince me to watch it one more time. But I tried watching it a couple years ago because it's the same concept, man. John K is such a oh man. I don't like doing. I don't like shitting on people, but uh, he's such a. I didn't mean to bring it up. I'm sorry. Oh no, you're perfectly fine, man. Because that's that's the feeling, and and that's a feeling for a lot of folks, man. Um, he's a very man. He's a very controversial character. You know, I don't know too much about it. I just do. I knew know uh, from quite a few things I heard. He doesn't sound like a very good person. Um, yeah. You know, I've heard some very bad stories. Um, you know, but it, you look at a show like Ren and Stimpy, right? Um, and it's transformative for so many people especially uh a lot of those ed ed netty folks a lot of people just fucking pulled inspiration from what was going on in ren and stimpy and i feel like it was one of those time or one of those shows that i i missed because i was too young when it hit and then you know my 
version of what Rocco or not Rocco's Modern Life, well, my version of Ren and Stimpy probably was to me was like Rocco's Modern Life, man. That was probably as like weird as I could get into with the uh, what they call in the, the the gross, the close. Oh, what was what was the terminology for it? Was like the close up? Was it gross up? Was that the was that the term? Uh, you had it right. The gross up, uh, the close up yeah. uh, shot or gross up. I think yeah. Yeah, you know, so that was like that era. Like I would see shit like that, and that was like the only comparison. I like that one because it seemed like it seemed a. <laughs> it didn't seem as mean like Ren and Stimpy. I mean, it, they were just he was just an asshole, you know, to his friend, and you know, you saw the lovingness, you know, from time to time. But you know, it just that show, it like it, it's eluded me for thirty four years now. I, I just I can't get into it. I understand the importance of it. Um, you know, that was a foundational piece of Nickelodeon, that Doug and Rugrats, man. Um, and so many people, you know, Bob Camp doesn't get brought up enough. He's a phenomenal yeah. animator and director. And nice I feel like, he, yeah, I, that's all I've ever heard is such the greatest guy in the world, man. And then, you know, he's I don't want to say his reputation is marred because it, everybody loves Bob Camp. But it's just like the fact that he is so influential to so many people. And then when you Google shit like Ren and Stimpy or John Kay and Bob Camp's name comes up, he's not attached in a sense where it's like he did whatever John Kay did. But it's just like you have to wade through all of that bullshit before you can get to see and give somebody like Bob Camp their flowers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's for me, I think for me, I like Ren and Stimpy for its art. I think yeah. Rocco has a bit more substance to it. Even like I had a complete DVD set uh, a while ago and I was rewatching some episodes mm-hmm. and it kind of, I related to it as from being, on, I've been on my own, living alone since like 2017 and all the stuff that happens in the um, show, well, not all of it, but I can relate to most of the stories there. Like it's yeah. over silly, but it's still like a show made towards adults. Like mm-hmm. I, one thing that comes to mind, the episode in Rocco's Go Shopping is like uh, he has a like he he has a coupon, I believe, and it's like if uh before he has to uh do shopping around time, or else he doesn't eat for like a week. I remember yeah. having uh, moments like those. Mm-hmm. And also, I think the characters are a lot better too. And <laughs> yeah, Red Steppy um. It's definitely like a show that's pleasing. Well, in my opinion, it's pleasing to the eye as far as like the wacky, more gross like stuff. Yes. Yeah, Rocco's a Rocco's like better on characters and stuff like that. Absolutely, man. And it's not it's not like it's a dig at anybody that ever worked on Ren and Stimpy because I I like I said no, I understand. No, no. Yeah, you know I understand. Let me give a basketball reference like Kobe Bryant, rest in peace, man. Um, yeah. One of the greatest to ever do it. I to say I like Kobe Bryant is couldn't be further from the truth, man, because he took he took the Matt Orlando Magic's chance of winning a title. He crushed my dreams as a teenager, man. He fucking took all the hopes I had. I was like, this is going to be the year Orlando wins it. This is our year. And then Kobe Bryant destroyed us man so i was a fan of his game 
I was a fan of what he meant to the league. I was a fan of what he meant to an organization, to an entire generation and future generations of people to come. I understood his importance, man. But it's the same. I like I draw the same parallel to Ren and Stimpy. I understand its importance. I understand how hard all of those people worked. It's just there's things out there that are for you, and there's things that out there that aren't out there or that are out there that aren't for you, man. And maybe, like I said, maybe I got to give it just one more shot, man. Maybe third time's the charm, and I might find something. Like I said, it's a funny show. Uh, it's beautifully drawn. It's 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 everything a cartoon is supposed to be. It's wacky. The stretch and squashes. I mean, the the writing was really fun, you know. But it's just like I don't know what it was. It's just. And it was just, I don't want to say it off-putting in a bad way, but it's just like, it just, like I said, there's some things that are for you and there's some things that aren't for you. You know what I mean? Well, definitely. I feel the same way about um, movies like uh, mm-hmm. Avatar or stuff like that. Oh, man, or something like, it. Yeah, something like uh, really classic films like The God with the Wind is it's held as one of the greatest <laughs> movies. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. I think it's racist as shit. Dude, I've been doing this podcast. For, I've been doing this podcast for three years. You're the first person that's ever brought up Gone with the Wind, and I fucking love it, man. I, I've never, I've never enjoyed that movie whatsoever. But the fact that oh, it, uh... it, makes my, it makes my blood boil. I, I don't like it. I don't blame you, man. It's not a good one. Yeah, but it, it's just wild. Three years, and that's the first time that movie has ever come up on this podcast, man. I never. When I set out today, I don't know. I don't know if you thought you were ever going to mention uh, uh, "Gone with the Wind" here on the uh, "What's My Head" podcast, Isaiah. But man, I'm glad you did because, boy, oh boy, <laughs> they had some shitty movies back in the day. Man, no smoke yeah. for me on any side. If you like that movie, that's you. I don't ever yuck somebody's yum. Uh, you know, you like what you like, and you don't like what you don't like. But uh, you know, I've I've tried that one. Uh, what was the other really really big one? Was it Casablanca? I've tried that one. Not for me. Um, you know, I would watch all these old school movies with my grandpa. And that's like I, I've brought it up on multiple occasions. Like my grandpa was the one that kind of like instilled in me, like looking into the credits and stuff because we would watch a show and then he would say, oh, that guy was on such and such or he was on MASH and then he was on like the A team. Right. Um, or a writer or, you know, something along those lines. And then these uh, these these folks would come up and it would just like make me like I said look at the credits, and he was like my first inspiration. I guess if I can really boil it down and look back, it's like that's kind of why I started the podcast because I wanted to know more about the people that were in the credits that don't really get the play or don't get really get to talk to people or tell people their contributions to what they did because it takes a village to really raise a brand new IP when it comes to animation. It takes it's a collaboration from start to finish. You know, so it was like I said, it was my grandpa that kind of instilled in me to like, hey, man, look at the credits, like look at what he did, and what she did and what they all did together. And then what they went on to do future down the road, what they were doing. So um, it's without him man, I don't really see the, those credits. And without him, I don't really start doing this. I think, man, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting thing to look back on and see, man, what changes or what paths could I went down and not been in the place I'm at now? You know, I mean, I, as far as Casablanca goes. It's stomach that, uh, stomach that a little better, but yeah. I think maybe that's also because I grew up watching that uh, the Bugs Bunny short Carrot Blanca. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal pool, by the way, and such a great episode. <laughs> Uh, you know, so we've uh, we've uh, hit that hour mark, man. I've had a lot of fun, but I figure we can do a uh, a couple things here, and then we'll hit some questions. Yeah, man, it goes by quick, doesn't it? 
especially uh, yeah, when you're having fun. To time. Absolutely, man. When you're having fun, the only reason I saw what time it was because my mouse moved over here. And I'm like, oh, shit, we've been going for an hour. Uh, but so I figure we'll do something fun because, like I said, you got my favorite retrospective uh, for animation on on the old YouTubes, as the kids like to say. Um, and I know by the time this one drops, you'll, your new video will be out. And uh, I know it was a Scooby-Doo video, and I know your love for Scooby-Doo. So before we talk about uh, your Scooby-Doo video that you're going to be doing uh, for your YouTube channel, man, uh, make sure you check out 47 Cartoon Guy. Those links will be in the description below. So point, click, and go. Make sure you give Isaiah a follow and say, hey, man, I really like what you do. Um, but before we get to that, man, uh, I know how important Scooby-Doo is to you, um, and it's very important to me. So I would love for the fans to know that might not know your uh, your love for Scooby-Doo and how that kind of came to be, man. But how does Scooby-Doo, why does that one stick out so much and is so influential to you? Hmm. Well, well, again, uh, I hate to sound like a broken record, but it's definitely the characters. And mm -hmm. I really think that's why, how they, why they lasted so long. I remember watching, I think that was one of the big ones I remember being introduced to on Cartoon Network. And at the same time, they were also running it on the Turner stations, like mm -hmm. CBS and TNT. This was back when they were still uh, airing kids' cartoons in the afternoon. But also, yeah, I love these characters. Uh, Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, and Scooby. Of course, of being me, I love Shaggy and Scooby the most. Uh, it's like their best buds that you love. They love to eat. I love to Absolutely. eat. Absolutely, me too. Uh, man. It's like evil. It's funny because I have a, a book about the uh, uh, memoirs of the designer of Scooby Doo and Hanna Barbera General, Ivo Takamoto. He actually called them um, Scooby and Shaggy the smartest characters in the show because they really? wanted to go in um, the spooky house or go on a dangerous missions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. And, yeah. <laughs> I loved uh, Scooby-Doo. Uh, Scooby-Doo, where are you? The original will always mm -hmm. be the best to me. Uh, everyone, I feel like everyone loves Mystery Incorporated more, and that's fine. Uh, I love it too, but I really think people should go back and watch the original. Yeah, it's simple, but simple... Well, I don't think I don't like simple uh, the way I don't like simple being a bad word. Mm -hmm. There's so much substance in like simple things. Absolutely. Uh, Saturday morning cartoons in the 60s and 70s. There's a lot you can, uh, but there's still a lot you can love about it. It's like uh, when I watch an episode, I remember loving even as a kid, Spooky Space Cook. Oh, that's I can watch. I can watch episode that episode now and just look at the backgrounds with the brown mm -hmm. sky and everything. The design of the uh, space coupe, the laugh, which was actually Don Messick, if you don't know. Um, with with as many times as you've seen it, can you do the laugh? I cannot do the laugh. I can. Do, <laughs> I can. Do, I can do a good Scooby Doo. Oh, let's um, hear it, man. We haven't we haven't had too right, many okay. Scooby Doo impressions. Okay. Let me think of something to say. Oh boy. <laughs> Dude, that's fucking good. Yeah, I say um 
I say this cartoon and animation um, thing doesn't work out. I can always be Frank Welker's uh, voice double. <laughs> School Dude, that's fucking awesome. <laughs> Dude, that's really good, man. I don't think I've ever had a uh, Scooby Doo impression on the uh, on the show either. So, man, you're you're batting a thousand or whatever. I don't watch baseball, uh, so I don't want the fans out there to think I. Uh, you know, I know what I'm talking about. I think I've heard somebody say you're batting a thousand, so I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. But I'm going to count it as a good thing, man, because uh, we uh, talked Gone with the Wind and how much of a piece of shit movie that one is, and then Casablanca is up there too. And then we talked, or we just had our first ever uh, Scooby Doo uh, impression. Uh, you're welcome, fans, because that was a really good one. Um, so before we get off the uh, the the Scooby Doo train, man, I know you said you were working on a Scooby Doo video. So without giving too much away, uh, but what can the fans expect when that video drops here in just a few short weeks? By the time you're listening to this, it's already dropped, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, similar to a video I made about the evolution of home media releases of the Scooby Doo on like video stuff, the comp- compilation of. Uh, videos and DVDs, but I'm talking about something about, but I'm talking about the uh, director video movies, and I mm-hmm. I think that's worth talking about, especially where director video was at the time, uh, was the first one, Zombie Island, was released. Uh, like, so when Disney came in and was doing the director video movies, all these other uh, family franchises were all doing director videos. Uh, what was it? Uh, Land Before Time, Swamp mm-hmm. Princess, uh, Little Little Kids, Barney, all that stuff. I think that will be interesting to um, cover, too. Absolutely, man. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, make sure, like I said, the link for that video will be right there. So you can click on it and go watch this to make sure you uh, hit up Isaiah and tell him what you think about the video. But also make sure you subscribe to that channel, man, because I have a lot of fun watching your videos. Um, like I said, your sense of humor for sure comes through. And just like I said, pure joy and amazement of what you're watching and then just like i said a true fan through and through um you can really pick up just like i said your love for what you're doing and i really appreciate something like that um so before we get out of here man we've got some questions that i've started to use uh, because i've had a lot of fun with them um so the first one i kind of gave you the uh the old the old uh what was it pre-gaming i think is what the kids like to call it uh so you get a mount rushmore so you get four people on your mount rushmore plus one as an honorable mention this is people like animators if you can do all animators or anybody that's inspired you to do what you do now my biggest influences would be for my mount rushmore definitely william hannah joseph barbara Mm-hmm. Evil Takamoto, Danny Antonucci. Cool. Uh, the fourth one would be designer Dan Haskett. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that guy. I just love his work. Right on, man. And then who would be your honorable mention? Honorable mention? Um, hmm. Let me see. Don Bluth. Yeah, Don Bluth. What did you think of his new book? I loved it. It was a very fun read. Mm -hmm. It's funny because I remember being in high school, I was rediscovering all his old movies. Mm -hmm. And it was, I was, uh, I had this brief anti CGI phase. 
Mm-hmm. And I was going back watching all the 2D Disney stuff, all the um old Hanna Barbera uh movies like Charlotte's Web and the Don Bluth ones I especially love revisiting. The the good ones anyway. Even the I'll take that back. Even the bad ones, they have some sort of value in it, especially with the art and animation. Absolutely. And that uh I've got it right here because I was talking about it with somebody not too long. I'll see if I can't get a good shot of it. But uh my wife Katie had gotten this for me uh for my either I think it was our anniversary last year, but it's Charlie, Charlie B. Barkin from uh All Dogs Go to it's Heaven. And, yeah, it's All Dogs Go to Heaven. Uh, yes, that was John Pomeroy for sure. Yeah. Um, so that was my favorite character from from anything Don Bluth of all time. Um, so I uh, I got to get scratchy up on the wall next, man. Uh, but yeah, I I absolutely love Don Bluth's cartoons. Did you watch Titan AE? I watched a little bit of it, not too much, because that was kind of during that era where I was kind of starting to outgrow cartoons, but not really. If that makes any sense. Yeah, I don't remember. I didn't remember when it first came out. I might have remembered a commercial showing the toys or whatever, but mm-hmm. uh, I actually discovered it. Well, well, not discovered, but rediscovered it back when I was in high school, and I remember falling in love with it. Still, mm-hmm. that early 2000 sci-fi cheesiness, yeah. you know, with, with stuff like it's kind of similar to stuff like Farscape and whatever like that. Mm-hmm. It's like I that soundtrack, man. You can't get more <laughs> early 2000 than like lit or what was the other band? Fuck it. Yeah, yeah, Creed was in a trailer. Uh, higher. <laughs> Good old Creed. Oh, that's such... I get shit on for liking that band so much. Like, I understand they're a Christian rock group, and I understand the lead singer at that time was, you know, crazy, like most people are when you give somebody that's young uh, a shit ton of money, you know? And then he was going through his mental health struggles, you know? So I can never count oh, yeah. that guy out because, like I said, it's it's not... It's not anybody's fault if they have cancer. It's not anybody's fault if they were born with a, a mental a mental issue. You know, it, it's, you know, I heard somebody say it's not your fault that you have it, but it is on you. It is your responsibility to make sure you're getting medicated um, or getting the help you need, I think is the better word. Um, but uh, I love like that first album. I think it's just called Human Clay from Creed. I remember that coming out. Um, and then I, re- I remember specifically, it's crazy when you can like point, remember that scene in Ratatouille where Ego, he's eating the Ratatouille that Remy sends him and he drops that fork on the plate and then he's transported back in time. You remember that scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny what food can do. And it's also funny that, that music can do that same thing. Like you hear a song that you haven't heard in a long time, you get transported just for a split second like that, right? You get transported to like you at a specific point in time when you heard that. And here's the thing. I remember us driving up to West Virginia to go visit my grandma and my grandpa. This is probably 98, 99, somewhere around there. Powerpuff Girls is in its heyday. Like there wasn't a shit ton of Powerpuff Girls merchandise, but I remember the, we were talking Game Boy Advance games, uh, I think before we hit record. Um, But uh, we we had the Powerpuff Girls game because my little sister loved the Powerpuff Girls. I really enjoyed the Powerpuff Girls and we had the mm-hmm. Game Boy Advance game. And I remember playing this game and then we stopped at a Walmart. And uh, like I said, it's around Christmas time. Um, it's snowing a lot. And then uh, my mom and my stepdad, like they were driving us and stuff. And I remember my stepdad picking up the album Creed. And he was like, oh, shit, I forgot this in the truck. I wanted to listen to this on the way up to your 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 uh, your parents' house. So we listened to that fucking soundtrack like 
back and front like five, six straight times. And then I've, like I said, I, I look back at Creed and I know a lot of people shit on them. A lot of people shit on Nickelback. I like Nickelback too. They got some great songs. Um, I find some, some, uh, what's, what's it like security and listening to Creed as dumb as douchey as that sounds finding <laughs> security in a band like that. But I love that first album. It's so fun, man. Julian, uh, what you said about music, it's funny because I've been uh, revisiting Clone High recently. Yes. And it's a song I fell in love with. Mm -hmm. I didn't go on grow up with it because uh, it was like 2002. I wasn't watching MTV at the time. I was watching, I was like nine years old. Um, the music in that show is definitely transports me back to like early yeah. 2000s. Something I would have heard of like, um, what was like, uh, Nick Pick of the Week, you know, that little yeah. remember on Nickelodeon, they would show like, uh, during like Snig, it would show like Nick Pick, uh, Nick, Nick Pick of the Week, it would show like mm -hmm. snippets of little music videos before commercials, yeah, like that was like, uh, early, like, all the listening to bands like, uh, in the show for like abandoned pools and dashboard professional. Stuff like that. It really, it really is. It really, it really is a time capsule. It really is, man. It's funny. Like, like I said, it's funny what food can do because you can remember the first time you ever had your favorite dish for for the most part, or you can remember, you know, like I said, that scene in in Ratatouille, man. That is such. That'll go down as like one of the greatest scenes in anything I've ever seen in my life. I put that scene up there, and you know, it, it just happens to be they're both directed by the same guy, Brad Bird. That guy visionary that guy is so brilliant oh, that guy is god damn like whatever like if they could bottle up what folks like him what gendy have what craig mccracken have um you know and they can bottle that shit up and sell it man we would have nothing but some of the greatest anything's ever created at any point in time but that scene goes down with uh the iron giant the superman scene when he's flying off man that fucking gets me right in the feels every single time and i think it doesn't yeah, matter if it's animation that. Oh, dude, he's so fucking good. And good is such an understatement. But those two scenes will go down as some of the greatest scenes in anything ever. Live action, fucking TV, animated, whatever the fuck it is. It's up there. It's in my top five of all time for for scenes in general. So, Iron Giant is probably one of my Oh, go ahead. What's that? The Iron Giant is probably one of my favorite animated films at the time. Of all time, pretty much of all time, is one of my favorite movies. And I remember uh, when Cartoon Network had marathons of it, mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I got older when I realized it wasn't a big hit. Um, because I watch old com on my spare time, I watch old commercials and stuff. Yeah. And looks for the looks of it, when I was watching all like old commercials from like '99 or whatever, mm -hmm. for the looks of it, it seemed like they didn't know how to market it too. Yes, because like the TV spots and commercials at the time just didn't really tell you much about the movie. Mm -hmm. They absolutely didn't, man. And getting to talk to some of the people that I've had on uh, that have worked on the Giant Man, it's uh, it's it's never amazing. <sighs> Obviously, they don't know because I've had this talk so many times to people. When I go, did you guys know what you were working on? They said, no. Like, you expect, you don't expect, you hope is the word that most people use that uh, whenever, 
whenever you make something, you put it out into the world, you hope it resonates with somebody. You hope it's going to be good because, you know, you never want to attach your name to something bad. Um, but everybody I talked to that worked on the Giants said it was a phenomenal movie. And same same thing. It was just was not marketed right. Uh, you know, a lot of people. Um, it's got a cult following now because it's it's just that good. It transcends so many people. I don't think I've ever asked somebody to say, hey, you ever seen The Iron Giant? And they say, no, it's one of those movies. And then if you go back and you read the story on The Iron Giant, I think it's I think it might be less than 50 pages. And a lot of those picture or a lot of those pages are taken up by pictures as a child's book. Nothing mm-hmm. like the movie, you know, so they had to expound. It's the same thing with uh, what was it called? Damn. Eddie Murphy, Mike, uh, I don't know why I blanked on Shrek. Yeah, yeah. It was the same thing with Shrek. It was a very small, like I think Shrek was only a couple pages long type of thing. It was a very small child's book. And then they had to build this entire world, man. So like I said, hats off to Brad Bird forever and ever. I mean, two of the greatest movies of all time. And, uh, you know, he did the Fantastic Four better than the Fantastic Four has ever done the Fantastic Four with The Incredibles. That first movie, wow. Chef's kiss, fucking perfect. Everything that guy does is fucking perfect. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, I don't know if you interviewed him yet, but Lance Fault, he's an animator. He said the same thing about uh, The Incredibles being the best Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, no, I, I've I've never I've never had him on. I'm gonna write his name down. You know who? What? Uh, you know what? I would love, 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 love to see Brad Bird tackle something like a Johnny Quest reboot. Because I've been watching God. Johnny Quest again, and man, the art is so beautiful. It was like it, it was expensive really to do. It was expensive to do, especially in the '60s. But man, I just love the way everything is drawn. I just love the images, the designs, and everything. It it and it is brother, a beautiful movie. Yeah, Brad is a big fan, and I would know he would do that justice, dude. If Let's let's take a step back from the next question I'm gonna ask you. Let's I, you just made me think of a new one. If you got Johnny Quest right, and you've got Brad Bird directing it, do you do a continuation? Now this is if as Isaiah has all the money. Isaiah is a studio, right? So you have to put yourself in that mentality. But you've got Brad Bird, and you've got the IP of Johnny Quest, right? And I absolutely love Johnny Quest. I know there's a lot of folks that a lot of folks that have some some things to say about Johnny Quest, but specifically just on the one character, Haji, because of his name. Um, I've had the luxury of talking to a few people that are from the same area that look a lot like Haji, right? So it's they, uh, it's hit or miss uh, when it comes to people. It's kind of like with Apu and stuff like that. Um, a lot of people think that, hey, this character's, this is from a specific point in time, right? But whenever you, whenever you watch Johnny Quest, especially for me, but I'm like a white guy, so I can't really put words in everybody else's mouth. But I've heard a lot of people say they really enjoy the character Haji, you know, folks that come from the same area that Haji came from. Um, you know, so they were like, I don't want to see that character change because it it made us give it gave us somebody to cheer for that we look like, right? So, you know, folks like me, I cheered for Dexter because he was a redheaded dude. I was the only redheaded dude. I was the only white dude in the entire neighborhood I lived at when I was from like first grade to fifth grade. We were the only white family in my entire neighborhood. You know, so I thought that was like everywhere I went. And then when you start moving around and you start growing up, you're like, oh, no, it's a melting pot. There's a whole bunch of different people. It's not just one or just two. You know, there's a melting pot of people, you know, so getting to see somebody like Dexter, you know, even though I'm a white guy, right, there's a lot of things about white guys that are out there for me and for everybody else. But it's just like seeing a dude 
it looks like you, redheaded dude. It's like, oh shit, this is this is why I connect with this show so much more because I'm not as smart as Dexter is. I'm more of a DD than I am a Dexter when it comes to a lot of shit. But like seeing yourself on a screen, it goes something to say. But like I said, if you were to if you were to take all that that kind of like negative stuff out there, you could do the show as is with the characters um, as they are. Would you do a continuation of Johnny Quest? Would you do a older version of Johnny Quest, even though we kind of got that with the Venture Brothers? Um, or what would what would Isaiah do if he had all the money to push in for his studio to do Brad Bird and Johnny Quest? What is Isaiah wanting to do with Johnny Quest? Well, I'm sick of origin origin stories, but I think, but I realized that might be important because there mm-hmm. might be audience that are familiar with the characters. Mm-hmm. So, are we doing TV show or movie? You tell me, man. This is your money and this is your studio. You're calling okay. the shots, big guy. Well, movie, well, people have to, like, be reintroduced to the character. So, I think a TV show would be better. So, maybe he bracket the executive producer or direct some episodes. So I would do something like uh, a more modernized take. Think mm-hmm. of like Johnny Quest meets Generator Rex. Remember that old show? Ooh, yes, I do. <laughs> um, as far as Haji goes, I remember, you know, I remember saying in my Hanna-Barbera retrospective is like the character like, um, he was, I think he meant a lot of people. He meant a lot to people uh, who were who at home who saw a character in a turban that wasn't mm-hmm. a bad guy. He was smart as, he was as smart yeah. as his white co-stars. That doesn't excuse, um, of course, some of the other, like, unfortunate uh, racial stuff from the times. Mm-hmm. But I think that is something worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would keep Haji most the same. It, um, maybe not do the Sim Sim Salabim stuff. I noticed yeah. in the um the Tom and Jerry Johnny Quest crossover, I I remember they didn't really do much of that, at least yeah. from what I remember. And you know if yeah, they did it Jerry, with the. I don't mean to cut you off, but do you know if if you the if you remember if they did it was it the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest when uh, Toonami was really starting to. Uh, to kick off. Do you remember if they did that? The Sim Sullivan thing? Have, they might have. Um, I, I don't remember had, seeing it too much. I I remember loving that show, especially the intro. But um, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine they had a little pushback. It's like, hey, it's the 90s now. We can't really do mm-hmm. this. But I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they put the kibosh on that. Yeah. Or they might have. Or I don't know. Absolutely, man. Uh, it's I'm so glad you bring up Johnny Quest because that's one show that I would love to deep dive into. I'm pretty sure you're a lot like me in a sense that like a lot of these shows that we talk about, like a lot of those Hanna-Barbera shows, I am a huge Frankenstein Jr. fan. I, I love that. I love Jabberjaw, man. I love uh, Josie and the Pussycats. Scooby-Doo, of oh. course, man. The original Space Ghost. Um, Thundar the Barbarian. I absolutely Space fucking Ghost, yeah. love you know, uh, the Godzilla that was done for Hanna-Barbera and Godzuki. I fucking love, man, the Flintstone kids, even though that was a little bit later. I know a lot of people shit on 
the Tom and Jerry kids, the Flintstone kids, uh, you know, what was the other one? Sco- pup named Scooby-Doo, even though I love a pup named Scooby-Doo. I love that whole 80s era. You painted those? What's that? You painted those? Oh, yeah, especially... Uh, pup named Scooby-Doo and stuff like that? I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah, I've met a lot of people that did not like that. And I've actually talked to quite a few people that have worked in the animation industry. And I can't remember who said this, but uh, it was, and I'm going to butcher the, I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's essentially, you know, it's your time to go in the animation industry when they've done your show and they've kidnized uh, it or they've, fuck, I can't remember. I can't remember the exact term he used, but essentially taking your product and turning it into um, babies like Muppet Babies, or um, they made it for a smaller, like elementary style kids and shit like that for the same class, like the Flintstone kids, the pup named Scooby Doo. I remember loving those shows growing up with them, seeing those because it always felt like Scooby Doo until I got just a tad bit older and I can understand, you know, that it wasn't really just a pup named Scooby Doo or it was, really wasn't Red Shirt Shaggy, you know, even though I saw all of these original shows way before I saw a pup named Scooby-Doo. But like I said, it's something about representation when you can see yourself. You know, you can cheer for a kid a little bit easier than you can cheer for an adult when you're a kid. And when you're an adult, you can cheer for an adult and you can cheer for a kid. You don't understand this. You don't have to have one or the other. You can do both. You know, so I loved those shows growing up as a kid, man. So I would love to see um, some of those shows come back. But like I said, when I was uh, talking about those uh, those shows, it's like, Getting to like you, like you go to sleep at like eight, nine o'clock and then you wake up one, two o'clock in the morning or some shit like that. And then you see shows like Johnny Quest or you see shows like Godzilla or you see shows maybe like a SWAT Cats rerun or something along those lines, man. Cool. It was like something fun about that discovering something that was new to you, but had been out in the zeitgeist that it had been out in the public for decades then at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so... Go ahead. As far as Scooby Doo goes, I don't think uh, it, I don't think it belongs to the same category as like elementary Muppet Baby and stuff like that. Because mm-hmm. like it was kind of like a Looney Tunes take on Scooby Doo. It's like yes. it's sort of like Looney Tunes uh, meets the uh, Ralph Bakshi Mighty Mouse. Sort of like <laughs> yes. And Great pull, it was, man. And it was really really funny. Hey. Uh, people hate it because it's new on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I've, sure I've met some. Sure well, I've just met some people good. that uh, did. No, it wasn't too many. It's been a couple people that I've had on the show that did really like. Uh, what was it? like? Like I said, just working on shows that were already classics because a lot of people saw. People do reboots because they're going to cash in on somebody else's nostalgia. Essentially, that's why you see a lot of reboots, and there's not a oh, lot yeah. of. Um, there's not a lot of original ideas out there anymore because a lot of, uh, I think Fred Seibert said this, it's a lot harder to kind of go on a, maybe it wasn't Fred Seibert. So I don't want to say it was Fred Seibert, but I remember it was somebody up there saying it's a lot harder to cash in on something new. It's unproven and it doesn't have a track record. It's a lot easier to say, Hey man, we're going to do something. We're going to do Powerpuff Girls again. And that's not a shot at Craig, but it's like, we're going to do this again because the the studios will have an easier time signing off on something because like, Oh, they have a fan base already. So this is going to be a little bit easier. I can't wait to see Craig's take on uh, the Powerpuff Girls. Cause I think that's what was a hundred percent wrong in the 2016 is they didn't have Craig, right? You didn't have anybody really that worked on that show before. And I really feel like that if you have a, 
a creator of something and they're still around and you're not using them to talk about their characters or, or help usher in this new generation of animators and writers. I think you're doing not only your company a disservice, but you're doing the fans a disservice. And you saw that with how quickly that 2016 reboot uh, kind of got the ax really quick, man. Yeah. Robert, uh, Robert Alvarez, I believe uh, was the, the timing uh, work on timing on yes. uh, the reboot. I think he was the only one that uh, came back. But uh, mm-hmm. as far as Alba um, girl, girls go, uh, I remember even in, like in the late 2000s, uh, it was kind of on decline for a while though. Chris Savino was in charge. Craig mm-hmm. was doing Foster's Home for Last Night Friends. And that whole era, I don't remember. I remember not really liking it that much. The only remember, the only episode from the Savino era I remember really loving uh, was that whole tribute to Rocky and Bullwinkle. That was really funny. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's like I really hope uh, this whole regurgitating old IPs will at least uh, will retire for a while, or because like, and I hope people will like look at what Jindy is doing. I saw the trailer for his new show, and I really love it. It's like I man, I I really hope a new era of cartoon creators making original ideas and having them be successful. I really hope that's on the horizon. I mean, I would love to create my own cartoon someday. Of course, you probably know about my own cartoon, Sydney and Rob. Absolutely. I would, even as a, It's funny because as a teen, when I was uh, developing it in high school, I always have pictured it uh, going on Cartoon Network. That'd be really cool to see full circle, man. I can just imagine yeah. you. I can I can see whenever they make the movie about Isaiah, the 47 cartoon guy, when they make this documentary, I can see like the initial shot is you sitting in front of a TV and then your eyes are wide as a little kid. And then you're just absorbing all of what a cartoon and cartoon cartoon Fridays. And then you're seeing all of this shit go on. And then that's how your documentary starts about your life right there is that initial scene. And then you see Sydney and Rob pop up when you're doing your little high school thing. And then you come back to it and you're doing videos and you're doing all this crazy shit. So I could see this as a movie. I say, I can't wait for this movie to happen. So like I said, I would love to see uh, your show get picked up by cartoon network one day. I think it would be uh, a full circle moment, you know? Thank you so much. That means a lot. Absolutely, man. So uh, we'll wrap it up with a couple more questions, man. Uh, so this one's been um, something that I have a lot of fun with because obviously, ooh, hit the mic. Obviously, I'm a food guy. I work in the industry and I love eating um, and I love animators too, right? So this is kind of like the Mount Rushmore question, but we kind of put in a couple other levels to it, right? So you get five guests, dead or alive. They could be animators background painters they could be creators they can be voice actors it doesn't matter right anybody that's worked in animation dead or alive you can invite five people plus you to a dinner party right so who's the five people you're bringing what are you cooking and what are you going to start the conversation with what topic are you going to pick a mix of animators and voice actors i would love to well, first of all, uh, I work in the um, restaurant industry. 
but I'm a dishwasher. <laughs> um, hmm. I don't want to say something I already did, but Don Messick, voice actor. Okay. So I don't know. Chuck Jones. That's a great list already. John's Butler. Ooh. Oh, damn. Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yep. One more. Hmm. Wanted to be animated this time. He's alive. Uh, another one of my influences, uh, Bruce W. Smith. Oh, you got five, man. So what are you cooking? And then what's mm. going to be the topic you pull up first? I'm a shitty cook, but uh, <laughs> they're not going to want what I'm eating, what I'm making them. <laughs> well, you can buy pizza. We've heard people buy pizza. I think uh, one of the last interviews I did, they're like, man, I'm just ordering Domino's because I can't cook to save my life. So you can order in if you want. You know what? I'll make some um, chicken parte from HelloFresh and then pass it off as my own cooking. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> That's called being resourceful, ladies and gentlemen. That's what that is, man. Uh, all right. So what's the uh, first question you're going to ask everybody? Not individually, but like you guys got a group table. Everybody's talking about animation. What's going to be the first topic you guys are trying to discuss uh, at the beginning of the night? Creating characters. Like Creating I said, characters. Big, yeah. Like I said before, I'm a big character guy. I love characters, especially especially like the ones you know the like the ones that have stood the test of time. What was mm -hmm. the what's the process of creating a character that will last so long that That's everyone cool. loves? Adults, kids, grandparents, all that, all that stuff. Beautiful, man. And uh, I figure we can end it with this one. Uh, this is one of my favorite ones, too. Um, so you could be on the, a fly on the wall for any created character in the cartoon pantheon of history, man. So you could be there from the inception of that character's birth. What character would you love to see created? what spongebob because i don't Ooh. think anyone imagined what a mega phenomenon it would have been i would have loved to see like steven hillenberg or uh derek draymond and all that all all those people and tom kenny i would have loved to see their reactions when they found out this was gonna be a hit i would love to be like uh be like uh, Marty McFly from Back in the Future. Like, <laughs> uh, go back in time and tell them, like, hey, this show is going to be a big success. Dude, I would love to, I, I would love to see, you know, obviously, you know, everybody dies eventually. But the, the fact yeah. that, like, two big people um, from that show are no longer here, and that's Steven and, and, and Tuck Tucker, man. Um, oh, my God. Man, I would love to... I would love to see, you know, what they think about what everybody says about their art, man, because it's like 
knowing knowing so many stories like that one that one hurts probably the most i mean tuck tucker i would have loved to have like selfishly you know i think it's kind of fucked up to say man i wish he was still alive uh because i would love to interview him because i'm sure his family would love for him to be alive and his friends would love for him to be alive because you know they miss their they miss their husband or they miss their best friend they miss their dad you know they miss their their co-worker you know that type of shit so it's kind of shitty to say i wish he was still alive so i could interview him but it's just like yeah. you hear so many stories about a person like tuck and then you hear how many people that tuck influenced it it's just fucking wild and if there's one thing i hope that everybody that i've ever had on here knows it's just like everybody appreciates and me and me in particular if i ever ask somebody on it's because i appreciate uh what you guys do um like i said i appreciate the fuck out of your youtube videos man i i appreciate being able to just like reach out and talk to you on facebook messenger and pick your brain from time to time um you know but it's the same thing with with uh all of my guests man i, I fucking appreciate you know what they do and how they do it and like how they got to doing what they're doing so it's just a fascinating conversational piece just getting to sit here and getting to like kind of walk in you guys' shoes for just a little bit and see how you guys approach something or see what you think of or see what things make you tick both in a good and bad way. And then what inspires you to keep going, man. So I think, like I said, I think that's what's so fun about this. And there's so many people that I wish were still around uh, that are no longer here, sadly. Um, but I think that's something good as well, because we get to, we get to keep their memories alive by talking about them kind of like what we're doing now, you know? You know what? Let's go going back to your other question. I want to add um somebody. Yeah, who are you gonna add? Joe Ruby and Ken Spears. They oh. don't really <laughs> they don't really get enough credit for in for the animation industry, mm -hmm. especially when um helping to well helping like create Scooby Doo uh back at Hanna Barbera, but also uh, some of their own stuff for their studio too. I know a lot of it isn't what you would say good, like uh Turbo yeah. Teen about uh, that show about the kid who turns into a car. But yeah. uh but I think Thundar is probably the best thing they ever oh. did. Like uh like you said, I think it's better than He-Man. Filmation oh. roles coming in. <laughs> I'm I'm going to agree with you here a hundred percent. I love it so much better. Uh the only thing that I think could give Thundar and He-Man a run for their money and Thundercats, man. Thundercats oh, is dang. so fucking amazing. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats. Oh, you know, it's just like getting to to have uh, you know, so many talks with with folks and then getting to 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 discuss shows like those that you brought up. But like like I said, Thunder of the Bear Band is it's that one, I'm so afraid to go back. I don't know if you've ever been afraid to go back and rewatch something that you absolutely loved as a kid um, because you're afraid it might not hold up and you might fucking end up hating it. But that's like the one what? show where I'll only watch a couple minutes of it here and there. I have a whole box set of Warner Bros. released uh, a box set called uh, Saturday Morning Cartoons, mm -hmm. 70s, 60s, to 80s, stuff like that. I got a whole box set of that and you got a Thunder episode. And it's actually pretty good. Um, yeah. Of course, like any show from that era, there's some silly moments, but I think it still holds up. Uh, I definitely recommend John going back and figuring it out. So uh, what you're saying is by the end of the year, are we going to have a Thundar the Barbarian retrospective from 47 Cartoon Guy? I would love to see it because I know I'm going to do one soon. You know what? 
Maybe you will. Maybe we uh, will. Maybe we will. Oh, speaking of Thundercats. Speaking of Thundercats, did you ever get to uh, interview uh, Larry Kennedy? Yes, I did. I, I had Larry on, uh, I think, my first year, first year or so. Um, I felt like I really peaked because I had Rob Paulson on my first episode. I think Billy West was like episode nine or ten. And then Larry Kenny uh, was actually in my first 30, um, 30 or so episodes, I believe. Um, and you know what's even funnier? You remember? Uh, oh, shit. Um, what was it called? Ah, oh, fuck. Man, it was... Um, Today, oh shit, I'm so fucking mad that I can't remember this uh, because it was one of those shows um, that uh, that I watched on VH1 um, and was it the day in the life of? No, it wasn't. Ah uh, shit, I'm going to fucking feel like a piece of shit for the rest of the day. We're going to pause this, ladies and gentlemen. We'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back because I had a brain fart there, man. And it was uh, best week ever, man. Larry Kenny. Uh, it, it always sucks when you go like, man, I got this really cool trivia. And then you can't remember the trivia you're trying to give everybody, Isaiah. It's fucking, it makes you look stupid uh, for sure. <laughs> man, weed, ladies and gentlemen, right? Uh, blame it on the weed, not on my heart. Um, but uh, Larry Kenny was the voice of the Skittles, see the rainbow, taste the rainbow. So he was the voice of that. And then he was also the voice of Best Week Ever, a VH1 show that I used to watch all the time as a kid. And I'm not going to go and try to do another trivia because I'm just going to fuck that one up. But he is. um, Nope, we're just going to end it with that one. So uh, those are those are the shows that I remember. And he was the voice of Lionel from Thundercats, man. And he was also uh, the voice of Sonny DeKugelberg from Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, (laughs) man, these guys. Oh, shit. And he was I believe he was lucky. I'm pretty sure he's lucky from Lucky Charms. I could be wrong on was that lucky? one. I'm pretty sure it was lucky. Um, oh, I might. I, I'm probably fucking wrong because I've been wrong about everything else. It seems Isaiah I had to go and Google my Googles. You know what I mean? So uh, I'm pretty sure you're right and I'm wrong. But I'm pretty sure the fans will let us know. What did Larry plan? Was he lucky or was he uh, was he Coco or Kooky um, in the Cocoa Puffs and Lucky Charms commercials? But nonetheless, man. Isaiah, uh, like I said, I love your channel. I know I've told you that so many times, so I apologize. But ladies and gentlemen, I cannot stress enough. Please click on the link below that will take you directly to 47 Cartoon Guy, man, and give this guy a follow and a subscribe. You're not going to regret it. If you love animation, if you even like a little bit of my podcast, you're absolutely going to love what he's doing over there on his 47 cartoon guy channel. So where can the folks that are listening now and watching now, where can they find you at Isaiah? You can find me at uh, 47 cartoon guy on YouTube and 47 cartoon on his 47 cartoon guy on Instagram. Beautiful. Well, like I said, man, uh, this has been a real honor and a real blast. I can't wait to do this again. I gotta, we, I gotta set something up where we can do this like every couple of months. Maybe we watch a show or some shit like that. We can come on here and just kick it and talk, uh, talk animation, man. I love that, man. It was a biggest thing Absolutely, man. Anytime. Well, he's been the forty-seven cartoon guy. Well, I can't start pointing up anymore because when Larry takes these videos, it's always this way and it's always that way. So we'll go, he's been 47 cartoon guy and hopefully Larry doesn't see this one and then he does what he likes to do. He likes to, to I don't want to say he likes to set traps for me, but like if I point to one direction, he'll actually put the video on the opposite side of what it usually is. So I look like the asshole. So Larry, don't make me look like an asshole today. So he's been 47 cartoon guy. I've been, I've been, 
uh, the What's My Head podcast. And this has been another piece of your childhood. Good night.